Well, my next guest um, has many elements to her working and professional life, uh, both as a wellness advocate, a personal well-being, and also impact pr practitioner in terms of supporting organizations uh, on, well, we'll discover shortly. So it's a big warm welcome to Shinaz Latif. Shinaz, welcome to the show to Open for Business. Um, I'm not sure where should we start, but I think we should start with wellness because it's such a difficult, challenging world we live in. Probably we all need a little bit of encouragement about taking good care of ourselves. So just give me a little bit of an overview of the work you do in this area. Thank you so much, Adrian. I'm delighted to be joining you today. Yes, absolutely. Our well-being, um, they they say your health is your wealth, right? So spending time um, on looking after ourselves is hugely important. And I think I've really put this in focus over the last 10 years and certainly um, since I've had children, which is actually longer than that. Um, but as a woman in her perimenopause, that time of life, I'm determined for this to be the best chapter yet. Um, and I really work alongside women mainly because we're often the weather makers in our family home to really think about ways in which that they can look after their own uh, well-being. Mm. Just tell us, um, for those ignorant men like me uh, amongst us, perimenopause, just give us a definition. Absolutely. So this is en route to that one day when um, you have gone without a period for 12 months. That is the day when you're officially called um, menopausal. And then you live your rest, the rest of your life as a woman postmenopausally. So the uh, hormones have done a little dance and then they find their new level. Uh, and then we're in a different season of our lives, which in Japan, by the way, is seen as the second spring. And I think that what a wonderful um, poetic uh, way to to express it. Now, we have had someone on the show a few months back talking about um, her personal experience of menopause, uh, which changed her life and her career, but also what she's done about it in setting up a sort of um, uh, training around it. So you work with um, all clients, sorts of clients, I guess, but in particular with women clients. And one element, a specialist element is obviously in preparing for and handling the menopause. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And look, I think if you're navigating through that uh, period of time and you also have uh, elderly parents or, or dependents and you have young children, there's a lot to manage. Mm. Um, and so spending that time uh, and really focusing on what works for you, what sits well with your lifestyle, this has to be practical, it has to be effective, it has to be cost effective as well as uh, work for you um, internally and externally. So I really open people up to different solutions um, that are natural, that have ancient wisdom, but also the backing of modern science. Yeah, that is a difficult time, isn't it? In between parents who need a lot of love, attention and care and children needing a lot of love, attention and care doesn't always leave a lot of time for, for ourselves or for certainly for, um, for certainly, you know, I can relate this to, to my wife, of course, as well. Um, you do a lot of the wellness work, though, in association with a very good mutual friend of ours with Mita yes. Unalkat. So just tell us when and where you are um, accessible or available in Northampton. Yes. Oh, my beautiful friend Mita. We are um, collaborating because she has a wonderful well-being hub um, in Northampton. So uh, on the St. Leonard's Road, it's called Love Your Presence. Um, and this really is about honouring yourself. Um, mind, body and soul, as you as, as uh, if you wish. And so on a Wednesday afternoon, we have Wellbeing Wednesdays from two till four, where you can drop in, have a cup of herbal tea, get a beautiful hand massage uh, by me. I use essential oils. 
um, and just uh, chew over the week. Um, maybe talk to us a little bit about what you're going through in terms of your wellness journey. And we're actually collaborating this Saturday. We have a wellness event in the Grange Park area um, at the Kairos Centre. It's a free event um, from two till six. It's actually called HOPE, which is an acronym for help one person every day. Love it. Help one person every day. Hope, which uh, well, we've got the Hope Centre coming on later on. But anyway, mind, body and soul. Um, the Wednesday afternoon sessions, are they free? Are they you have to pay? You have to book? Yeah, absolutely free. There's no money exchange there. We just ask you to come in with an open mind and uh, and wherever it is that you are on your well-being journey, we're really happy to meet you there uh, and give yourself a little bit of a pamper with a hand massage. Yeah, so absolutely. Free, as is the wellness event on saturday okay so where is what information about this i assume it will be on meter's website which is loveyourpresence.com is that right right that is absolutely right you'll find um all the details about her shop and all the lovely lovely offerings in there uh, and the event itself is also um there'll be an event bright link to it so you can book your place we do need to know who's coming in so we can line up those massages and We'll be doing chocolate making. We'll be doing uh, a guided meditation. We'll be looking at essential oils for people with special educational needs, for stress, for um, menopause, uh, and also looking at metabolic health. So there's a little bit for everybody. Um, and I really do hope to see some um, some people joining us then. Okay, excellent. So I love your presence just for the sake of clarity. It's not presence as in give me a present with a T at the end. It's love your presence. P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E. -E -E. So love your presence, all one word, dot com. And uh, find out there about the great work that uh, Meter is doing in association with Shinaz around mind, body and soul. Well, good well-being. All right. Well, thank you for that. Let's move on then to perhaps um, a more, uh, I don't know, business stroke professional side uh, of your work um, You as an impact a practitioner, I guess, again, you should probably start with just explaining what impact practitioning is. Absolutely. Look, I've worked for 20 years with uh, charities across the UK. And the main thing that um, I get involved with is he helping them to demonstrate the difference that their work makes. So, you know, a lot of charities get funding um, and they spend that money and it's all in service of a group of people uh, in whose lives they're trying to make a difference. Well, I help you to then gather that data um, yourselves or come and do, do it for you so that you can show yourselves as staff, as volunteers, and also the communities you serve, as well as the funders and donors and trustees, all the different stakeholders, what is the difference that your work has made? So uh, impact practice is around, well, it's a branch of social research, if you will. So you gather data, um, you analyze that, you report on it, and you communicate it in a useful way so that you can learn from what works and also from what doesn't work. Mm. Well, let's just quickly um, take a look at your career then. You know, very pe many people are interested in how did you get to where you are? What did you study? What's your previous prior work experience to be in this position of self-employed? You're running your own business um, and doing these wonderful things. Yes, I mean, I don't think um, when they asked me when I was younger what I wanted to be when I grew up, I, I don't think this was on radar, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but uh, and so for that reason, I did a lot of studying. I have a background in economics, in social, um, sorry, in development studies. Um, and I um, finally had a master's in social anthropology from the University of Oxford. Um, but I have to say I started life in, you know, in a 
grammar school and um, went through the state system in the UK. So I've had all flavours and manners of education and experienced them um, in various ways. I come from a South Asian background, so uh, racism did play a part in my upbringing. And so it was quite challenging uh, growing up, but um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do um, until I finally landed uh, an organisation that was a charity that helped students in universities to find um, their place. And that slowly uh, morphed into a career around gathering data uh, and really qualitative data, actually asking people about their experiences. I guess I always wanted to speak about my experience. So I've made a career in asking people about about theirs. Mm. Well, I can see the, um, you know, Oxford, uh, two two master's degrees, social anthropology and development studies. Uh, that was after an economics degree. So clearly you've done your homework, I would imagine, uh, to get there. University of Oxford is tremendous. And um, you've been with um, a national body for 20 years, according to LinkedIn. Just tell us a little bit about that organization, because I think it's quite a fascinating organization. It is. So in the UK, there are 170,000 odd charities that are registered. NCVO is the National Council for Voluntary Organizations, and its membership is upwards of 17,000, um, maybe 19,000 now. So um, largest membership body of UK uh, English charities, I should say. Um, so really the infrastructure behind charities, um, really standing up for volunteering, really standing up for governance, being a source of support and advice and guidance. And I was a lead consultant in the impact team um, for about 18 years, and then I became self-employed and hence the, the 20 year career um, serving charities of all different shapes and sizes. I've worked with funders as well, including people like BBC Children in Need, large organisations like Help for Heroes, but also the really tiny ones like the Max Roach Community Centre in um, in London. You know, so it's uh, it's all shapes and sizes of charities, and that's what's kept the work um, giving and giving and giving me such insight. I learn a lot each time I work with a charity. Mm. So you must have yes looked at lots of charities. A very good um, training ground, all right, for all that impact assessment because it's it's a very interesting body. I'm I get their alerts and I have to say they seem to have their finger on the pulse very much. And certainly during COVID, of course, when charities were facing many existential um, challenges. Now the the work you've you've done with NC, NCVO and impact measurement. This is more. What is it? Is it storytelling or is it qualitative or is it quantitative or a bit of both? bit of both and training uh, is what I love to do. So I train charities on how to create a monitoring and evaluation framework, how to develop their theory of change, which kind of lays out the journey um, that they want their clients to go through and then helping them to put the systems in place. I'm not talking, I'm not an IT um, specialist, but what questions do I need to ask and when do I ask them and how do I ask them? And if I'm working with young people, the last thing you want to do is get them filling in forms, right? That's boring. I mean, even as adults, we perhaps roll our eyes the next time people ask us to do feedback in that way. Sometimes you have to do that, but I really want it to be pragmatic. Yes, I've got the academic background, but if it's not practical, it's not going to work. So I train people, I consult with them, I build their capability so that they're empowered to ask those right questions at the right time. And it could be quantitative data, so the numbers and the stats, but it also could be the narrative, the stories, because that's got the human touch to it. Mm, very much so. Now, you mentioned the theory of change there, which is, uh, I think, is a tremendous concept that um, 
businesses could well learn from charities. But just tell us a, a little bit more, or perhaps I give you a quick my summary. Right, it's all about what do you want to change, and of course it might take three, five, seven years. But what do you want uh, systemic change, and then work backwards? What do if that's the impact? What outcomes will deliver that impact? What yeah. outputs will deliver those outcomes? And then what inputs? What do we do today? to start yeah. that whole process. Now, is that is that too simplistic of you or would you concur with that sort of very simple summary? Yeah, absolutely concur with you. The whole point of theory of change is to unpick complexity and show you and give you the roadmap. Now, look, the map is not the territory, right? Reality is not always something that um, Google on its sat-nav can show us. You know, if they build a new road, Google doesn't always pick it up. So your theory of change is laying out the lie of the land as it stands and it's your best laid plan, right? But when you're in the midst of things, things can change. And so um, I always recommend that a theory of change stays live and we use, um, a, you know, we use packages online to be able to map those things out so people can then look at, um, say, the virtual board and go, okay, well, that didn't quite go according to plan. Maybe we need to shift a bit. So it is a guidance tool. It's a planning tool. Um, but it needs to be amended. And, and from there, you can bounce into, right, I know where I'm going. As you say, what am I delivering? What difference am I trying to make? Outputs and outcomes. And ultimately, what's the impact I want to have? Now let's gather the data to evidence how far we've come. And the focus always on the end beneficiaries. So what changed in their lives is what you're trying to capture, yes? Yes, absolutely. What changed in terms of knowledge or skills or confidence or behaviour and look, even the small steps along the way are significant. Mm -hmm. We don't just deliver something and then homelessness is solved. You know, that's not how it works. It's a, it's those steps along the way that we need to encourage ourselves to collect and celebrate. And, and that's really uh, where I come in to, to put it under the magnifying glass and to help you to identify what you want to gather data on. Mm, an awful lot of... Um intangibles to try to capture you know self-esteem or perhaps somebody smiles more this week than last week you know who's facing difficult challenges and uh, really very uh, very interesting uh, area indeed wow so just uh, moving on then is your work mostly with charities or with businesses or or with both because increasingly we need charities businesses civic local authorities and of course the university to work more closely together to address um yeah. society's biggest challenges yeah, absolutely. I, I concur with that. I have worked with foundations that are linked to corporates. I have worked with charities that, as I say, are community based. Um, and I think that this this um, the reality is that all of us need to know that we're in the business of making a difference. What is that? So I will work with any organization that um, that is interested. Um, and what I've now started to do is to kind of niche into the kind of testimonial gathering um, aspect because I think what we spend a lot of time on is gathering quantitative data and we all like a little bit of a statistic but we know we can manipulate those a little bit can't we so when we can get some human interest stories as well I think it's important to do that so yeah I've worked with all shapes and sizes and all the different sectors including local commissioners as well so to use a lovely university term then what are the deliverables and what are the differences between them? Uh, feedback, uh, review or overview, case studies, testimonials. I presume you have all of these in your toolkit. Yes, absolutely. And and people don't often take the time to think about the difference between a review and a recommendation and testimonial and so on. And feedback is absolutely important. We, we learn the most 
from the things that don't go so well um, as well as the things that do go well. So feedback is for you. You need to bring that into your organization and learn from it. You don't need to necessarily parade it around. Recommendations, of course, we get those. You talked about LinkedIn. Um, but, you know, when people ask for recommendations, if you just say, give me a recommendation, it's a bit daunting. It's a blank sheet of paper. What do you want me to write about? So I guide people to think about the questions to ask there. Um, and then we get those Trustpilot or Google Business, Google My Business kind of reviews, the star rating, for example. Once those are on, you can rarely take them off. Um, so what I really like to think about is testimonials because you're in the most control for those in your case studies. They are stories with a happy ending. And so things might be bumpy along the way. We want to know about that, warts and all, because that's where the learning and progress happens. Um, but I want to get people to speak more about what they've achieved and show perhaps the long lasting effects of their work. So what's the benefit of this, um, the value of social proof in one sense? Is that's what you're you know, talking about? Yes, the, the value of social proof, I think, because we're not in we're in real life, we're not in a science lab, we're not in a medical lab. You know, there is that kind of proof, too. But when you're working with people it gets messy, it's complex, it's complicated. Um, and so when we bring out the stories, we're getting a social level of proof. And we know word of mouth is probably the best marketing tool. So if you see people like you telling stories about the things that have worked for them, you are more likely to go and check out that service because they've spoken to you in a way that's relatable. So social proof is massively valuable. And I'd love businesses to put some time and money and effort into gathering some of that lovely stuff in a more systematic way, uh, in a way that also your clients don't roll their eyes at, right? They, they find it really um, interesting and, and uh, encouraging and empowering to share their stories. And they're not just giving you feedback because that's what we should all do. <laughs> Very well put. Well, we must talk offline about that because it's an area that close to my heart, as many regular listeners will know, looking at public, private, academic, third sector working together, in particular, business and charities and at a localised level here in the county. And indeed, I'm almost in danger of becoming a real academic, doing some research in that area very, very shortly. So we can uh, we can explore that separately. So let's just go back then to the to the rounded um Whole, bring your whole person to work, Shinaz Latif. You're doing a lot of wellness stuff, helping individuals. We've talk, talked about in partnership with Mita Unalkat at Love Your Presence, loveyourpresence.com. You're doing impact um, practitioner, impact for, for, for charities, for businesses, for foundations to help them. Um, you know, what changed? So what happened as, as a result of the philanthropic or charitable activities that you did? And I think increasingly funders, um, want to know about that rather than well just keep giving you money no is anything actually um, changing um, you've told us about an event coming up this Saturday at Grange Park which is free a wellness event anything else on the horizon that we should be should know about Shinaz and I presume that you personally are, are Northampton based yes I am indeed I'm uh, I am in the county for sure and have been for ooh, it's going to be 20 years in October I believe mm. so um, yes I am part and parcel of uh, the community um, Two things I think I'll finally just uh, put onto the radar. One is, um, again, with Mita and uh, other volunteers, we have a platform called She Speaks, um, and we are holding a space um, which is called Breaking the Cycle of Domestic Abuse. 
That is going to be at Waterside Connect on the 4th of October. It's in the evening. Um, it's a, an event for women to come forward and listen to other women and trauma counsellors and um, empowerment consultants. We have Caroline Strawson, um, April's Dawn and uh, Parol Patel all in um, Northampton who are going to share their experiences and also the work that they do with women who have uh, left uh, uh, abusive situations also for professionals who might be supporting these women. So I use some of my time, uh, as we all do, to volunteer uh, and bring these spaces together. So that's one thing I'd definitely like to share with you. Mm. Um, and, and I guess finally, um, my own business, which is Toot Services. Now, Toot is an acronym um, which stands for Tell Others Out There. So if anyone's interested in testimonial gathering, I've got lots of free resources on my website, which is tootservices.co.uk. You can download a guide on how to gather sparkling testimonials, or you can come along to a workshop. I run them at the Vulcan Works on the newly, it's a newly developed um, place on the Guildhall Road. Um, so people can come in person, love to do workshops in person, but I also offer things online. Excellent. Thank you very much. So the event's very important indeed in terms of... Um... Anyone that's experiencing suffering from domestic abuse, uh, she speaks on the 4th of October. There may well, of course, uh, Shinaz, be um, men that are suffering domestic abuse as well. I don't know if that's if they're welcome, but uh, I think it is a, a phenomenon. We, you know, mostly it will be men uh, abusing women, but I think well, there are other situations as well. But that's on the 4th of October. Um, and Toot Services, T O O T services.co.uk. Uh, just tell us again, T-O-O-T? Yes, standing for Tell Others Out There. Tell Others Out There services. My goodness me, uh, tremendous. <laughs> and there are a lot of different services there and free resources that uh, you can look at. Yes, just uh, to go back to the abuse element, is, is this for women only or would, you know, are yeah. you doing a separate event for, for men that might feel vulnerable? It's a really good question, Adrian. For now, it is uh, open to women um, because so it's a She Speaks platform. So it is very much about the women. Um, that isn't to acknowledge that the abuse can also be um, experienced by men. But I think uh, we will take that away and look to create a different event um, in the future. Excellent. There we go. Well, look, Shinazan, what is obviously a very busy life, and as you say, with your voluntary work as well, um, thank you so much for taking the time out to come and share with us the insights into personal well-being issues and also professional impact um, measurement and assessment. A great pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much indeed. Keep safe, keep well, and keep up the great work.